You are listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. We invite you to join us on the exciting journey of following Jesus and bringing the kingdom of God wherever we go. This episode was recorded at the Vineyard Nordic Summer Camp. So, I, what I wanted to talk about today is just this idea of um, calling, basically. And, and specifically a calling into leadership. So I just want to tell you, um, one of my passions is definitely to see people move into their calling. I love to see people... Um, I have this uh, irritating thing that I, I kind of... Um, first, I see you know calling on someone. I will, I will stalk them and follow them and talk to them about their lives and what's going on. And there are some people here at the camp. I've probably been coming to them like three, four, five, six years in a row, like, what's going on in your life? What's God doing? You know, <laughs> because I just have this sense that God is doing something in them. And of course, he's doing something with everyone. But I think God gives us different people that he's putting the spotlight on and saying, maybe that person is something he's doing, maybe. So um, that's one of my favorite things, is to just see people uh, moving into whatever God has called them to do. And um, I just, um, it's my favorite thing, uh, one of my, I, I've said that already from stage, what my favorite thing is. This is another favorite thing. Uh, this is also my favorite thing, to see people just to start to move into the things and just to start, start see them start sort of doing the things that God has called them to, to start serving, to start doing and using their gifts and just see how the life that comes out of that. So it's really one of my, my passions. And I've actually, just to make it, if I want to give you like a, you know, big picture, use kind of big words and... Um, for me, God has called me and Sarah, obviously, to plant a church that we planted seven years ago. I'll maybe tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, and also to, to do many other things. But I think uh, God has kind of been speaking to me that um, sort of the biggest or the most important thing for me, if I look back maybe sometime, you know, in 20, 30, 40 years, I don't know, whatever. I think the biggest thing for me would be to see that there is a number of people who are leading and serving and building the kingdom, that I have had some kind of help in raising them up to do that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be my biggest joy. Just like that would be the, the most important thing also that I would be able to contribute. Not building a big church, not like, you know, doing amazing things yeah, on yeah, the yeah. stage, but, but that there are some people who are really doing what God has put on them that I've actually kind of helped them. So this, is, this is my passion, okay? I really love this. Um, and I think when I talk to people today um, about calling, about what Jesus wants to do in their lives, many things. Come on, that's okay. This is Alsa from where are you from, Alsa? Going to Vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there's also I, I find that sometimes there are things that kind of trip people up. You know, there are kind of things that, that trip us up in terms of what we are called to. I can tell you for myself um, that when I was sort of 25, so that's maybe about like, what, two or three years ago? <laughs> <laughs> um, and before I, I went into pastoring and all that stuff, I was coming to camps like this and conferences, and I, I just loved everything that was going on. I love to hear about the stories and I love to hang around with the leaders and try to get to know them. And, but I had a very strong feeling that I can never do this myself because uh, I was looking at my life. I was looking at all the brokenness in my life, just basically my character, the things that are in my past. And I was thinking, I probably won't ever be able to do those things. I thought it was something that was up here, mm-hmm. right? And that I could never do. And I, I'm glad to tell you that I still have a lot of brokenness in my life, I can assure you. And there's still so many things that I'm working with. But I, there's also a lot of things in my life that I can see God has dealt with that. In his own time, in his own way, he's been dealing with me. So that I'm not maybe quite as broken as I used to be. There are things in my life that I thought I'll never, I'll never be able to go beyond that or kind of fix that, that that God has simply removed over the years. 
And so today I'm doing a lot of the things I didn't think I would be doing. I don't think it's something that's up here. I don't think it's like a, a thing that I just, I just um, am thrilled about God being able to use me in my gift things and the things he's calling me to. So I just want to say, to begin with, uh, I've been on a long journey myself in terms of leadership. And um, it's really my passion that we don't trip up in some of those things that we think are barriers for us. You think there's a barrier? I could never do this, or I have this issue, or I have these things in my past, and we think, so I could never do this. It's really important to me. So I've made amazing slides. Do you like them? Yeah. It's quite, uh, everything's very creative with me. <laughs> I, I, I picked a template, clicked on it, and then put in some text. It's I'm really very nice. creative. So I just want to go through these three things. And I think, uh, please interrupt at any time with questions and if you have any comments. I really think it would be great to have a bit of a conversation with not so many people so we can kind of, you know, get into it. Um, but other, this is what I thought I would talk about. I would talk about what is calling, what does it look like. And then we talk about what is a leader, because that's what the title says. What is actually, what am I talking about? You know, uh, and you just ask me, is it okay to be here if you're not thinking I should be a pastor anytime soon? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's not what we're talking about. But I'll get into, I want to get into what, what, I, what it is. What are we talking about? And then finally, how do we grow into that? So why don't I just maybe chat about this for a few minutes and then, you know, uh, please feel free to interrupt me or just, or you can, you can ask questions later. Is that good? That's it. You agree? I'm very, very happy about that. All right. First about calling. Like I said, those who, who really lead, who lead in the church and who spend a lot of time leading in church or in ministry, um, my experience is it's kind of the people that sink to the bottom. You know, it's not the heroes here. Uh, it's not usually always the most brilliant people, the smartest people, the most skilled people. Actually, what I mean is, is uh, that they are the ones that sink to the bottom. It's my sense has always been that uh, in the end, I, I wasn't really going to be doing anything else. So for, for my, my story is before I started do, uh, pastoring and doing, I'm actually now in full-time ministry. I've been for a bit over a year. But before that, I had many, many years where I, had, uh, where I was working and I had a job, I had a company. I even uh, had an IT company, my own company, for eight years. I had people employed. I was doing, you know, all the business, business, business stuff. And it was all really fun. I thought it was a lot of fun to try and make business and start new things. And But my sense has always been, no matter how it was going, that this thing I'm doing, you know, it's, it's kind of a replacement for the real thing. Yeah. You know, the real thing that I want to do with my life is build the kingdom of God. And I'm doing this now, and it's good, and, you know, I get, you know, I can live off it, have money, and it's all good. But what I really want to do is not that. It's, it's like a second best thing. And I think a lot of leaders, they have this feeling that, you know, there's a lot of good things you can do in the world, but, but the, re the best thing would be to build a kingdom. And if you're kind of like, mm, I know what you mean, you're, you're busted, you know, you're, you're hooked. Because you may think that all people think that, but they don't. Okay, so leaders are the people that have that hook in them. It's like that would be that would be the best thing. Okay, so that's what calling is all about. So for me, it's always been like I've, I've always loved church, uh, even you know all all kinds of different churches. And but I especially love church when church does what it's supposed to do. When church is the place where people are welcome, people who who are just longing for community. Um, I was just thinking about one of the people that we have here at the camp from our church. When she came to us the first time, she was 17, and someone had invited her. And the first time she came, she didn't even go into the church. She was kind of standing in the doorway. She was just kind of looking. And she didn't even go in for the service. And I went and talked to her, and she was like, she was very sort of like, and, and she, she really didn't want to come into the church until the person that she knew came over to her and talked to her. And, and today... A couple of years later, she's she's leading worship from the stage, dancing all around. You know, she's like totally different. And that's when church does what it's supposed to do. People welcome. I was talking on the stage about people coming to faith and all of those things. People getting, you know, exploring new gifts. People growing in their gifts. All that. I just love 
the kingdom when that is happening. For me, that's the real deal. Yeah. That's, that's really what, what I'm passionate about. And sometimes when I talk about, we have an amazing uh, team of leaders in our church. Some of them are here. You guys here, Kenneth, you got Lisa, Jonathan. And uh, sometimes I talk to leaders about calling and growing. And, and sometimes I say, so I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if we have to use the P word. Do you know what the P word is? Some of you? The P word is the word pastor. So when we talk about growing and we talk about our vision and our calling, we, when I bring up, if you bring up the P word, people freak out. Isn't that right? Yeah. And people are like, I'm not a pastor. And, and if this leadership thing is about being a pastor, it's not for me. And so I try, you know, in my most gentle way to explain that, let's, you know, let's not get freaked out about the P word. Actually, for me, the church, how do I say this? In the church and in the ministry, we need leaders, right? We need people who will set an example, people who will lead others, people who will um, share the gospel, care for people, shepherd people, people who will set up the sound and the lights and people who will be on stage and all that. We need those kind of leaders. And as you grow into leadership, you may become even the leaders of other leaders and encourage other leaders and train them and equip them and disciple them. And if you grow into leadership more, you might even become the leaders of the leaders of the leaders and you might be standing up front and training people and taking responsibility for a whole church. And that's another kind of leadership. And then for mainly, I would say, cultural reasons, we call that a pastor. Okay? So it's basically what leadership and calling is about, not about being a pastor in any way, shape, or form. You know, sometimes I think because of our cultural history of what a pastor or a priest is, and especially, uh, you know, many of us come from countries where there is a traditional state church or, or used to be a state church, and we think of the priest. So sometimes I think we should just drop that word. We just have it for, it's more like an occupation, we think. So it's not about being a pastor. It's about what I've written. It's about building church. Leaders are those who build the church and who are passionate about building church. And leaders are the one. The reason we use the word lead is, of course, because we sometimes have responsibility for other people. But mostly for me, leading is about leading people to Jesus. I love Ted's teaching this morning. It was so good because he, he did you all hear that? Yeah. He talked about this process of calling people to come and see and live with Jesus and then God. And the leaders are the people who help people do that. Those are the guys who say, come and see. And they say, this is how you live with him. And they say, this is how you go with him. That's what leaders do, basically. That's leadership. So don't get freaked out about the P word. Some, at some point in your life, maybe you will experience leadership, that, that leadership has sort of grown and someone wants to put that title on you. Who knows? It's not really about that. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it can be a hindrance. For me, I've always known I wanted to be a pastor since I was 16. But like I said, later I really felt that I probably couldn't. So it was a really like a stumbling block for me. And I had to just take it one step at a time, and that was a big help for me. Just say, can I do this? I think I can do this. Okay, I'll try that. And then maybe the next step. The next step. Any comments? You okay? Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> good. Any uh, questions about calling or? When you say like Ted, you're really excited. <laughs> <laughs> we are really excited. I just think, I think just uh, not narrowing uh, the leadership into just pastor because I mean the Ephesians talk about five leadership gifts. Right. Right. So, and that's another thing. If if we think of the word pastors as those who are the shepherds, that which is what the word means. Yeah. That's a different way of using that word. That's why those kind of words are really dangerous because it, it means different things to different people. Yeah. So for example, I am not, my wife will tell you, I'm not really a great shepherd. I'm pretty rubbish <laughs> at that, but I'm still a pastor. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. I'm like an apostolic evangelist if you want to do the, those Ephesian, yeah. Yeah. Ephesian words. So... People expect me to be really caring and, and all that, for, and you know, if someone's hurting, and I'll be really like, 
I'm like, call my wife. Please call my wife. <laughs> Seriously. And now they don't, I don't have to say that now. They just call my wife. So, you know, so, so seriously. So that's, that's why the language is so confusing. Yeah. So, so basically, that's what I mean. Pastor is just a job title of the leader who has the most responsibility in a group. And sometimes a pastor is leading 20 people. Sometimes they're leading 600 people. So it doesn't really make sense to compare those two, in a sense. Okay, moving on. Um, or if you have any more questions. What is a leader? Um, what I look for, I, I try sometimes to tell people um, what I'm looking for in those who want to move into leadership. And I don't remember, was it, was it John Mumford that said the other day that if you aspire to lead, that's actually a good thing. I think sometimes in our cultures, in, this, in Scandinavia for sure, we have this feeling that those who want to lead are somehow arrogant, mm-hmm. and they want to be they want to be on top. They want to control people. You know, they want to be the ones giving out all the orders. Mm-hmm. And of course, if we feel that that's what a leader is, um, people like sometimes when we do leadership training, and I, I ask someone to join, like I don't want to be a leader. That's the last thing I want to be. But if you think of leadership as those who, uh, I think one of the most amazing things is where Paul said, God has actually entrusted me with the gospel. He has, she has seen me as being worthy to entrust with the gospel to give to other people. And I take that to be a great honor. That is my favorite definition of leadership. Okay? So can we use that definition? I, I sometimes say... When you, to explain leadership and to explain what leadership in churches in 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 more uh, secular organizations, leadership is explained like a pyramid, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have the the main leader on top, and then some middle leaders, which are always you know very popular at the moment, and then you know people in the, on the bottom. In church, the pyramid is, is the other way around. Mm-hmm. So the main leaders are in the bottom. They're the ones taking the biggest responsibility. And also those enduring the most problems, and you know those who will serve the most and give the most. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just think of leadership as that servants. What Jesus said, servants. Again, language is so confusing when we talk about these things. So um, I tell people, what am I actually looking for? If you do aspire to be a leader, that's an amazing thing. I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think don't be shy about that. Don't say, oh, I couldn't be a leader. If you want to be a leader, don't hide. I think it's, it's okay to say, I really have a calling. I want to be, I want to lead. Great. Um, but I'll say another thing. That is, someone needs to train you. You need someone to train you. Because in church, we have a very, very clear model from Jesus, which is this model of discipleship and followership. So I, I think what, what has been the huge change for me personally and the blessing in my life has been when I came, uh, my wife and I, we came to the vineyard in, hold on now, 2001. It's when we first came in the door of the vineyard church. We'd just been married. We were very young. I was 22. Sarah was 19. And we moved to Copenhagen. And we had been kind of hurt by church. Uh, and uh, I was thinking, Oh, there's no re- not really any churches in Copenhagen I like. I know all the churches. I was 22, I was very wise. <laughs> and, and, you know, I know, I'm like, ah, oh, all the churches, you know, I've been to all of them. It's, like, not, it's not for me, you know. There are probably some great churches in the U.S. Or I know, I've heard of some good churches, but here, you know, nah. And then some of our friends invited us to this small church called The Vineyard. I thought, that's a weird name. <laughs> Who made that up? Uh, and I maybe, heard, I maybe heard the name once before, but I was like, Sure, okay, why not? We will go with our friends. And I, I'll tell you what, literally I came in and just after about five minutes I thought, do you know what? I think I could do this. <laughs> and the reasons were because, first of all, we felt really welcome. People were really nice, they were really welcoming and open. And uh, the way they said things and did things, I thought, I could actually bring my friends here. They would get this. They would, they would feel like they could connect with this. And then the worship started. I was like, okay, this is what I've been looking for. Uh, and then at the end, a guy came up to preach, and it was Fleming. He had a lot more hair back then. Um, but he preached in a way that was very respectful of people who maybe hadn't been to church before. And what ended up happening for me was that I 
over many years, we were in Copenhagen for 10 years, I started connecting with Fleming, and he would start to invest in me. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I just felt, this guy, this is a leader that I think I can trust. You know, this is a leader that I feel like I can follow this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And like I've written here, no leaders are perfect, not even me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, she's laughing, she's in my church. Uh, and guess what, not even Fleming. Um, I've been in so many meetings, in so many situations, and so many done so many things with Fleming. I know him really well, we're very close friends by now. Um, but of course he's not perfect. And no leader is perfect. And if you go into this followership thing, thinking that the leader you're following is going to be perfect and not make any mistakes and not ever hurt you or not ever do something stupid, then you're not going to make it. But I think we need to find out who are we following. I sometimes ask people, ask leaders when I meet people, I would ask them, who's discipling you? And if they don't have a name in five seconds, I know um, it's not like it's bad. I'm just saying that you, you need that. It's, we're really, we've worked a lot in our church, uh, you guys can tell me, right, in the last year that if someone asks you guys who's discipling you, you could probably say who that was. You could say a name. And so um, I think this is so important. And I, I remember um, just in my mind just deciding, I'm going to follow this guy, you know. And uh, I'm just going to be... Um, following him in for good and for bad. So even if I don't agree, I'm still going to follow because uh, he has so much more experience than me. I'm just going to do that and be the person that is always supporting and always saying yes. And uh, even now, um, after so many years, Fleming, he's still my pastor. He has been for, for many years. And if he calls me up and he says, Thomas, I was just wondering, could you help me? Or would you mind doing this? I try always, always, always say yes. I only say no if I really, really, really can't do it. I mean, if there's really no way I can do it. I really try to say yes. Because that's what helps him to be leader, and that's what helps him to lead me. Does that make sense? So, um, I've said that to people, you know, I would love to invest in you. I think I said to you, maybe, at some point. I said, I would love to invest in you. What do you say that we kind of follow together for a while. And I will just want ask you one thing. Uh, first of all, um, you know, just forgive me if I do stupid things. I'm not perfect. And the second thing I would say is, please try and say yes when I ask you something. I'll try to be, you know, I'm not trying not to manipulate or not take advantage. But if I ask you something, please try and say yes. Because that's the way for us to grow. Make sense? Yeah. So, um, I think, um, for me, the people that, uh, you know, the people that, that I enjoy most leading and investing in are those where we have, first of all, we have friendship, you know, it's a, it's a relationship, we have fun, we enjoy our other's company, and so if you want to look for someone to follow, you should definitely look for someone that you actually like spending time with. <laughs> and the second thing I, I really value is loyalty, simply, quite simply. Because, uh, and I want to tell you this, because leaders, pastors and so on, there's always a lot of people who have an opinion about them. Uh, and, but, it, but you really need to have people around you that are actually loyal and will support you, even if they think you're wrong. Sometimes I've been thinking, Fleming is so wrong about this. Seriously, this is like in, when I was in a leadership in Copenhagen, this is so the wrong decision. But I see why he's making it. But I just don't agree against it. I think it's really wrong. And and many times, I'll tell you what, I was right. <laughs> but guess what? Sometimes down the line, I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe he actually knew what he was doing. So that's that's just that's why we want to be loyal. That's, that's just humility. We just want to follow, respect the fact that he is more experienced. And then even if you are right, well, we'll just be, um, what's the word? We'll be graceful about it. So, Tom? How do you define loyalty? I mean, you say you want to be loyal when you think, even if you think he makes the wrong decision. Sure. Do you discuss your viewpoints with him and or the, the leader, and then if he says, I have heard you and we understand each other, but I still think, is that loyalty to you, or is it just whatever you say? Great question. Awesome question. 
So I would say it like this. Um, hopefully, hopefully we're here as well. The best leadership happens in, in, in church where we also have friendship. I find that the more friendship I have with people, the easier it is for me to lead them, right? So that means if we have that relationship, it would also be natural for me to say, you know, I'm just wondering if this is my perspective, is that makes sense. But there's also always a time, and I think especially in Scandinavian culture, we have this very, we're used to this very flat structure. We're used to having no hierarchy. You realize that, right? So there's always this thing about everybody having an opinion and everybody, everything being selected by committee, and we all have to agree. It's part of our culture. So I think there is a point in which I've been sometimes, for example, in my relationship with Fleming, there's been times when I've been like, I've brought it up, he doesn't agree, I'm just, now I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Now I'm just going to support. So I have mentioned my thoughts in a, in a uh, you know, respectful way, but I'm not going to press it because he's heard, he's heard what I think, and that's it. And uh, I think, so it's, it's not that you, you can definitely share your opinion, because if you have a good relationship, he will, the leader will listen. But there's also a point to which I'm just going to say, okay, now that's, I'm going to leave it. It's for him to decide, and so on. You want some? Don't say this the wrong way, since you're my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after. So you're talking about uh, following someone. Mm -hmm. What if you feel like, okay, you find this person that you like to follow, this guy you trust, and, and you want to invest into that relationship. Yeah. But if you don't feel it's mutual, yeah. like, do you just have to find some other guy? But like maybe that's the only guy that you feel like is in your church, sure. is capable to sure. disciple you and, and, and build your own. Sure. I, I, I think I kind of get where you're going. I mean, kind of understand the question. I think that um, it's, it's a bit like um, sometimes people come to me and they say, how do I find a mentor? It's so hard to find a mentor. You know, I've tried and it's not easy. And of course, it's not, it's not that simple. And uh, I think in many, many ways, you know, this kind of uh, relationships kind of a um, followership or discipleship relationship is, is also God-given. So God leads us to to this relationship. Um, I think it's, I would say it like this, um, sometimes there are people that you maybe want to follow, but they're not really relating to you. They're not showing any interest in you. And so you can't really force that. There's no way you can force that. Then there are other people who do show interest in you or leaders that do show your attention, and maybe you're not totally feeling the connection, or the chemistry, or whatever you want to call it, pick, pick a word, but at some point you'll have to decide, am I going to follow this person or not? Is this a, a trustworthy leader? Is this someone that I, that I believe I can follow, that I can put my trust in? And so, um, but it, it might not be that you have that relationship with anyone yet. Um, so then my point would be, <coughs> Keep your eyes open to that. Who is, is there someone already now in your life that you can follow? Or do you need to pray more and look for when that comes? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, Like, in very practical terms, how do you follow? Like, you pair up with the servants, walk around, and wait the conversation? Yeah, you, should, you know, sleep in the same house. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so, um... I said, I think um, it can be it can be very um, sort of it can be organized. It can also be a little bit un unorganized, or sort of unspoken. But I think it might might be good to to have a conversation and say, you know, I would like to sort of follow you if I could and just learn from you. And uh, like what I said to what I usually say to people is, um, I, I put them on my team so that you know I'm leading that team, and so they obviously relate to me. But then I might also have a conversation uh, about like what I said, for example, ask them to say yes if I ask them for something. I invite them to go with me and those kind of things. So of course there needs to be some, some initiation from the other part. But it's about, um, for me it's always been, you know, trying to, really trying to serve Fleming has meant for me trying to make it easier for him to be the pastor. So whatever way I can make it easier for him, some people also call it leading upwards, 
So making it easier for him to be the pastor, making it easier for him to succeed in what he's called to do, is actually my main role as a follower. You know, whatever way I can help him take his load off, support him, you know, anyways. And then of course, ask questions. I would, I, would, I would really encourage you to develop the skill of asking questions. It's one of the most important things to, to grow. Does that answer? Yeah. Someone? Ken? I think something I experienced in, uh, in saying yes a lot to all of the good and stupid things that Thomas uh, gets me to do yeah. is uh, that when, when I say yes, I just automatically get to spend time with Thomas mm. and then we get to talk about like all kinds of different things. Sometimes it's casual and we just relate and other times I well, I ask him questions and uh, about life, about church, and uh, sometimes he just shares something that is on his mind about leadership or whatever. And uh, then through through that, then I just get to grow in, in being a leader myself. And uh, and that only happens because I I say yes to so many things. And I and then, and then, then another thing is when like an, an example could be that I'm it could be that I in the church, but also something that I enjoy very much is when uh, we are invited to like trips around uh, around Denmark uh, to churches or to help with something, and then in the car we get to relate and we get to talk about leadership and whatever. And then through all of these encounters and conversations, I yeah. learned a lot about leadership and about yeah. And so saying yes could be anything from from going up to the microphone and. and and, you know, being challenged that way, or something like driving me to the airport, you know, which is two and a half hours. So, so it could be anything. That would just be like connection. Sorry, just uh, John. Uh, what's the limit to saying yes, not being burned out, and all of that? Because you can say yes, 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 yes and then yeah. you have your Sure. I mean, it. It hopefully your leader would be uh, would be you know respect you and. And uh, take responsibility for. I know. I know. For me, that Fleming is very concerned about how I'm doing, and he does not ask me of things that he thinks would be too much for me. And I think a good leader does that. A good leader has relationship and has and cares more about the person they're leading, how they are succeeding, than they care about the task. Hopefully. So if you have a leader who is sort of almost exploiting you and, and you're like totally exhausted because you're asked to do stuff all the time, then it could be, um, maybe not, it depends on, you know, but it could be that it's not the right leader. Uh, so, but that's a part of it. Trusting is part of it, I think. It's a big part of it. All right, should we, yeah, okay. <clears throat> it's kind of related to your question, because I am burned out of fantasy. But I, I felt this calling for many years, but I'm like, when is the time to do with this? I don't want to hit the wall again. Sure. How, what is wise to think? Yeah. And, and you do have to be careful, obviously. And, and uh, you know, we, we all have, we all have different uh, levels of, of resource and time and energy and all that. We all have different places to be. So we have to respect that very much. And of course, for you, you have to really respect your own limitations and so on. I think that's very important. Um, I would say that uh, the, the important part is that when, if we do go into leadership, uh, that we have as much support as we have challenge. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more about that tomorrow, about how that works in a church setting. But but it's important that we have um, the support structures we need as well in church, that we have people praying for us and investing in us and teaching us and all those things, and not just so. I think that's the main key to that. Um, but you have to be, you know, it's, it's, it's wisdom to know your limits and what to say yes to, obviously, in terms of responsibilities, you know. So, and? It was kind of the same thing. I think the relationship is what differs, that if you have the relationship, then you learn from your tasks and you will get something the other way. Mm. And if you're just continually working without getting anything back and not having a relationship with the people that you serve, then you're going to get burned out eventually sure. because you won't won't really receive anything sure. the other way. So I think that's the important thing, that the people that gives you the task is also following you and yeah, 
hearing what's happening and praying for you and all that stuff. So, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Well, I find I'm, I I just reflecting because I'm 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 not connected to Vinyan and this this thing mentorship thing is in my eyes unique mm. because in in where I am there is not even leaders are not familiar they they do not work in that way sure. so i have i have had to find uh, mentors abroad far abroad so i connect with them over the internet and sure. uh, so i don't I, I i i can't really relate i have but i can't really relate to this uh, having this close mm. always able to say yes because they are in in the US that those who trains me so yeah yeah because they in most other church part in Sweden I don't know if and others here can relate but I I don't find I haven't find anyone that uh, yeah. needs like this mentoring and, and sure. training in this way it's, that's, that's, it's, uh, it's it seems to be unique for Vindyan. Well, yeah, and it's, but it's not easy, you know. It's like I said, it's also in many ways a God-given thing, and, yeah. and, uh, and you have to. But, but I think since we don't always think like that, the reason I'm bringing it up is it's good for us to think about it. Mm-hmm. So when you do meet a leader who seems just to be interested in you and that you think, I could actually follow this person, uh, then it's very good for us to be really acutely aware of that and actually making it decision for ourselves to follow someone because that is like you say very countercultural. but I think that's the best way to put it mm-hmm. so that, why don't I move just a little bit ahead um, yeah. character what, what do I look for in a leader um, I don't know what you think people are looking for in leaders but these are some of the things I'm, I'm looking for in leaders that I want to invest in first of all I want to invest in someone who's positive and engaged I always say that you can't be a leader if you're not there, you know, if you don't show up, if you don't invest your time, your energy. So many times there are people who are very brilliant and smart and amazing people, but they just don't seem to be engaged in what you're doing. And those are not the people I'm looking for. I'm looking for the ones who are there, you know, and who are consistently showing up and consistently asking to, in, in, you know, uh, asking to help and so on. Um, Second thing I'm looking for is really someone who's really invested in their own personal life. I think that our personal life, our, our life with God, our relationship with God, the way that we select our lifestyle, those things are, are so much more important than all of our giftings and skills and all that. The first thing I'm looking at, where's the heart? And, and are we really trying to live for Jesus? Thirdly, um, leaders who are focused on Jesus and not themselves. And this is interesting because this has always been a struggle for me uh, when I was growing as a leader, trying not to focus on me, you know, and, and am, I, am I doing this ministry, am I serving in this role because I want to look good or because I want people to affirm me or am I serving with this because I want Jesus to look good? And some leaders, they are just, they don't care about themselves. They just want to do it for Jesus and it's so obvious uh, and uh, those are the ones I really want to invest in. You know, it's just, um, you, you, it's so easy to see that, you know, I don't need a lot of, it's not for me, it's, it's because of God. And the people who have that, I really uh, want to invest in. People who are fun and relational, you know, if church and ministry becomes so serious and, you know, it's always like this heavy thing and we always have, the, you know, we always have to, Oh, I have something I want to talk to you. I know we have serious. We always have serious things we need to sort out all the time. And I'm like, oh, come on, you know, it needs to be fun. We we we're friends. We're hanging out. We're having fun. We're enjoying each other's company. And then we're trying to do this kingdom thing together, right? So I really look for the people that I enjoy spending time with. Uh, and then, of course, someone who wants to learn. And it's actually a pretty important point because some people are really hard to teach. They think they're very smart. And they might be, but if you're going to lead someone and invest in someone, I only, I only invest in the people where I can see they that I am obviously their leader. You know, when they relate to me, they listen to the things I say. I know I'm not right all the time. I know I'm not perfect at all. 
I know there are many better leaders than me, but I still realize that they do listen to me and they actually want to learn from me. And so I can't invest in someone who doesn't have that. Okay? Uh, and then the final thing, and, and this, is, uh, this is the tough one, leaders who are willing to pay the price. And by that I mean uh, all leadership has a price. And sometimes we look at leaders in, uh, with lots of responsibility. You know, we have the Mumfords that were with us this week, or Fleming, or whoever you, you look up to. And we think, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could be like that. But you know what? I remember um, a quote from John Wimber. Let's let's bring him into it as well. And he said, when he was just at the end of his, he was he was dying from cancer, and he was he was sort of dying, and he was really elderly and fragile. And he he gave a talk, and he was rambling a bit, and because he was kind of. But then at the moment, he said, you know what? People come up to me, and they say, oh, John, I would love to have your ministry. I would love to have that ministry. And then he slammed his Bible into the table, and he said but they don't want to pay the price. Mm. They don't want to pay the price. Because there is a price to leadership. Um, If you stick your neck out and say, okay, I'll lead this group, then all of a sudden we're not all equals. I have to be like a leader and I have to go, you know, I have to set an example and sometimes I have to say no and sometimes, you know, I have to do things differently in my life both in terms of time, but also in terms of leadership, in, in, in terms of lifestyle, in terms of choices, money. You know, there are many things. So um, some people will all the time try to avoid paying the price and say, oh, you know, and, and they are probably not going to be in leadership much. But those who are willing to pay the price, whatever that is, and who are willing to go through also the shadow side of leadership mm-hmm. and that becomes very apparent very quickly once you begin okay? so I just want to put that in as well big visions have a big price so finally in terms of skills you know becoming a leader is not uh, a competition you know it's not about being the best uh, I've, you know I'm preaching to myself here it's really not about that and, um, but if you have to talk about skills, I would say social intelligence, a bit of empathy, doesn't hurt. You know, that's where in churches and, and the kingdom is always about people. And, and those who have a very hard time decoding social interactions, it's very hard to be a leader. It, it becomes very hard in many ways. Um, and it, it's, you know, just things like having, uh, just things like reading a room, understanding what's happening in the room understanding what people are feeling and how if you say it like that some people would probably get hurt and you know understanding those kind of things are really important as leaders um, second thing I've written here is that leaders are able to apply biblical principles to their life so um, for example knowing understanding that uh, we need someone to to come and clean the church Sunday morning and it needs to be really nice and clean and fresh and, and not like all messy because when someone new comes to the church that will give them a much better impression they will feel a better about coming and that can actually lead to them meeting Jesus do you get that? Yeah. so actually cleaning diligently making sure the toilets are really clean could actually mean that someone would meet Jesus that day mm-hmm. leaders understand that Okay, they understand that what we do every day that even when I go, when I wake up at home and I open my Bible and I read my Bible and I pray and I spend time with God, that has implications for other people. That will have implications for the kingdom. That will mean that I'm keeping myself on track as a leader and that will have an impact on other people. Maybe later that week or later that month or later that year. So leaders understand that there's something of what we read in the Bible and what I do in my personal life. Those little details, they're connected. It's all about the Great Commission. It's all about you know, inviting people into the life of Jesus. So, and, and also saying people who don't understand and who can't connect those dots, it's very hard for them to lead because they lose motivation like that. Why, why do I have to do this? Why is this important? I don't get it, you know. Okay? And then finally, a good thing for leaders to have communication skills. It just helps so much that we're able to communicate not just what we need to do, but also why 
that we're able to explain. We don't have to be like a great preacher or anything, but just be able to explain the truths of the Bible simple in a simple way to people, explain what the gospel is, explain why, you know, those things. It just helps a lot in terms of getting other people on board and leading people in a certain direction. So, let me take the last one, then we can do questions. Again, how can we grow more as leaders? First of all, it's not a competition. It's really not a competition. And and uh, it's not about you, you know, there's another guy on the staff, and then you're kind of growing faster than, than she is, and kind of overtaking, and you get the promotion and all that. It's really not about that. And the people who think it is, they usually... God usually has a way of stopping them in their tracks and, and uh, sort of teaching them otherwise. So just don't think it is, right? But I would say follow your leader as long as you have uh, you know, trust in them. Just keep following them and even keep following them until they release you. Sometimes Fleming has said no to me. I remember one time when it was quite early in our relationship. Uh, we'd only been in the church for a couple of years and, I, and we had this amazing idea Sarah and I, that we would go on a TTS in Italy. We thought, this is amazing. We had emailed to them and talked to them, and we were like, ready to go. And then I talked to Fleming. I said, hey, we have this amazing idea. You know, we're so excited. We want to go do a DTS. We're going to go for the next six months and train. And so on. He, he looked at me. He said, I think that's a pretty bad idea. <laughs> I was like, what? What could be bad about a Christian wanting to go to Bible school? What could possibly not... He just explained, you know what, I think God is doing a lot of in you right now in this church. He's, you're in a process. God is doing something in you guys. I think you should stick with it. Don't, don't leave that. I was just like... But you know what? We ended up not going. And, uh, and there's been other times where Fleming has said no to me or said, you're not ready for that. Or, you know, I want to do more preaching. No, it's fine. You're doing like... What you're doing now is fine. It's good. Other things like that, but then once when the time came, and I and we came to Fleming and told him we think we should plant a church, and he was like, "Great!" You know, we were like, "Oh, we thought he, we thought maybe he'd say no," <laughs> but it's like, "No, now is the time. It's great." You know, I see this on you, and uh, and we had many people confirm we see this. Even even Ellen Mumford actually, she was she was in that time. She was in in Denmark, and she was like confirming that. So. So, at some point, maybe your leader will release you onto something else. But actually, it's really good to know that, you know, follow. If you trust your leader, trust their judgment, then follow until they actually release you. And listen to them. Also for the big decisions. Um, and then, like I said, those who make it in leadership, I think, and make it, I mean by that, that it becomes a lifestyle, not just, you know, oh, I'm excited about right now, and then two years down, you've forgotten all about it. You know, those who where leadership and, and building the kingdom becomes a lifestyle, are those who catch God's big vision. Those who understand God is doing something in this world. He is reaching out, like Ted was talking so beautifully about today. He's reaching out from the throne, inviting people to come and see, and I can be part of that. I can be just a small sort of cog in the wheel of, of this huge thing that God is doing. And wherever he sends me, you know, I will go whatever role he has for me, is it, you know, is it very fancy, big, or is it a small role, am I just, you know, whatever I'm doing, I can do that. I'll, I'll be a part of that amazing thing God is doing. The leaders who get that, that that's what we're doing. We're doing it for him, and we're doing it for the kingdom, and he's entrusted something to me. Those are the ones who make it. Because we keep focused. We don't lose motivation. We don't lose the idea of why we're doing this. So those are the ones who can who, who last in a long time. And then I've written this. Uh, I thought this was some of the best uh, sort of um, advice I ever got in terms of calling. A guy who said, "When you're in terms of calling, uh, it can be really hard to know what am I called to do." And so his advice was, "When you're in your twenties, just try everything in church, in ministry. Just try everything because you don't know what you're called to, anyways. You have no idea. Just <laughs> do all the different ministries and see whatever you like." And then when you're in your 30s, maybe you kind of know, you know, I'm kind of in this area maybe is what God is calling me. It seems like my giftings are sort of over here and not so much over here. Uh, and then he said, well, it's not until you get to your 40s that you really know what God is doing in your life. 
Anyway, so I'm really excited about this because I just turned 40. <laughs> so I'm like, no, <laughs> finally, God can use me. But it's really true. And, and, you know, don't get all locked in like, I feel like God is calling me specifically to, you know, uh, um, poetic uh, ministry in weaving, uh, you know, Scottish kilts. You know, it's not like, no, no, don't just open it up and just try it out. See what, whatever, wherever he's used, wherever you see God using you to reach people and, and really make a difference, that's probably where your giftings are, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, follow, then the last thing we've talked so much about, just offer to say yes. Yeah? About your, uh, about this uh, example where you someone would go to the Bible school. Mm, yeah. Uh, a problem. When we some young people to uh, decide to uh, DTS, yeah. um, they get um, they get into a place where it happens very much, and they don't like to come back to a church where it's uh, it can be hard times for a long time in a church, and you have not that in a DTS. It's, sure, uh, you're high all the yeah. time. Yeah, and that's a uh, Have you anything to say about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'll say two things. First of all, about YWAM. I really love YWAM. I've had a lot of time, spent a lot of time in YWAM as well. Back in the days, if you go back 20 years, they were not very good at preparing people to go back. And they were not very, they didn't speak very highly of the local churches. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, you should probably stay in the mission field. You know, the church is not that great. That, that's kind of what they did. But I want to say, if, if you don't know, I mean, for, for the most part, YOM have really changed that. They've really changed that. And they are really speaking very highly of going back to serve in the church now. They've, they've changed what they're doing. And I really, I love that. I have many, I have several good friends that I in, in ministry in, in YOM. So they're working hard to, to do that. So that, that's one thing. The other thing I think is the church has the responsibility. Because if someone comes back from a DTS, for example, a young person, maybe in their 20s. Uh, many times they come back and they don't find that the church has anything to offer them in terms of discipleship, ministry, in terms of continuing this amazing journey they've been on. The church, we, I think it it's, it's comes back to us. We just drop it on the floor. We have, we have our 10 leaders in the church. We don't need anymore. And so on. I really think that we have a big responsibility as church leaders to say, this person, God is doing something. Why don't you, you know, follow me and you can continue this amazing discipleship process God is doing. So if we say, oh, they come back and they're not like motivated and stuff, I think we have to look inwards to our churches. Are we really prepared to receive uh, them back? You've, you've tried it, Lisa, what do you say? Yeah, I, I did a BTS and came back to Denmark. And I remember thinking, uh, I mean, they prepared us for going back and like telling this is what it's going to be like because you're on fire now and you might come home and it's not going to feel like everybody else's. So they prepared us for that in a way. But at the same time, I remember coming back feeling like uh, I can't reach other Danes. Sure. Like I can reach people in other countries, but I can't reach the people in Denmark. Sure. But I think I wasn't in Vineyard at the time, but I uh, came to Vineyard a year later after I came home. And I realized through Vineyard in Denmark that we can reach the Danes or the Swedes or the Norwegians even here. So I can do that here as well as part of my church. Yeah. But other churches hadn't shown me that. I just didn't see other Danes come to believe in Christ here. Yeah. But I did see it all over the world. So I agree very, very much that the church has a big responsibility in yeah. using us when we come home from DTSs and other So true. And Lisa is an amazing leader in our church. She is. She's carrying huge responsibility. So, and you're like, what? Sixteen? No. <laughs> yeah, no, so seriously, but seriously, it's a bit like, uh, you know, what, what do we see in, in, in the people that are coming? Do we, do we really see a, a, a leader who could take on significant responsibility if, if we support them? Or, or are we not open? Do we not? Are we not open to see that? So I think it's a huge issue. Um, and generally, I think leaders need to be more aware of this, the potential that people have and invest more in the young people that we have, not less. 
All right, we can do it. We have like 10 minutes if you want to have any, any other questions or comments. I hope this has been helpful in some ways. Um, any, anything else? Anything? Yeah, don't know? Um, like when you are a mentor for people, yeah. it's, um, I see that really much as a leader, but it's not really a, a, a typical kind of leadership sure. um, if you're not in, for instance, uh, yeah, a leader in the church. So, how, like, would you, do you have any comments on that, or like, how would that look? And, if you needed to follow someone to learn that, uh, how would sure. So mentorship is, is one way of, of definitely leading people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about, we, we usually say in the vineyard actually that uh, when, we, when we are going to have new leaders on our team, mm-hmm. we pick the ones that are already leading. Mm-hmm. And we just say, you're already leading, so now we are going to call you a leader, mm-hmm. sort of in more official capacity. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying who could maybe become a leader, and then they, and then we want to try and get them to do it. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage all of you, even even if you are officially a leader in any way, a capacity in your church or not, just to lead, because that's the best way to move into leadership. And and so mentorship is definitely leadership. It's this, it's, it's a part of discipleship. It's not the only part of discipleship, but it's a very important part of discipleship. And 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 you can mentor people in your life probably someone who was younger than you and really helped them and you can you could mentor a young woman you know much better than I could so so that makes total sense so just so just go ahead and do that and just lead and grow and see what God's doing um, but I, I but mentorship is so important I value I have a couple of mentors other than also other than Fleming who is like my pastor and friend and boss I also have other people that I speak to about my life and stuff so that's invaluable any, any, you know, mentorship is so important. Yeah? Tom, did you have? Yes, if you could elaborate a little bit more practically how you um, grow people as a leader. You talked about what you look for and how, how you can grow if you're How do you attack this when you see something? Okay. Um, I don't know if you're going to like this answer, but... I talked to, I've been wondering about that myself for a couple of years, and, and we, we didn't quite see things develop in our church the way we wanted to. And we've been working, I've been reading up on discipleship and other things, and been talking to a lot of people. I talked to one guy, one of my good friends, this guy called Andy Masters, some of you may know him from, he leads a church in Northern Ireland, he's a very good, we've become very good friends. And I was visiting his church, and I saw he has this group of five or six leaders in their staff, young leaders that are just amazing. Just so amazing. I was like, how did you get these amazing leaders? And he said, oh, you have no idea how tough it's been. There's been so many problems. There's been so many issues. It's been really hard, and they've been crashing so many times. But what, what he did is he said, these five guys, for years, they had a key to my house. And they would be around three or four evenings in, in a week and just you know eat with our family and just hanging out and just being part of our, of our life. And that's how we got through this. That's how we had the relationship to, to take them through what's going on. And so I thought, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so we ha- we're not quite doing that. We're not actually giving people a key to our house. <laughs> um, and also, we're, you know, he's, he's, I'm different from Andy. He's a different setting. And you know, mine's, me and Sarah are different people. But what's actually happened is in the last, uh, especially in the last six months, we've had our leaders at, at our house a lot more. We've, we've had them usually every week, sometimes several times a week. Some of our key people have been at our house. And we've been doing a lot of stuff and just spending so much time not doing leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the main thing. Relationship first. And then when I do ask, say, Kenneth, who is drinking all of our red wine and <laughs> all that stuff, I am offering it. And then when I do ask Kenneth, so Kenneth, would you mind uh, maybe helping me? Or this thing you did, could you do that a little bit differently? I'm not overstepping any, you know, we have way enough relationship for that. Just makes sense yeah. for that to carry what we're doing in church and so on, would you say? Hopefully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and so, um, yeah. I, I, I think something that uh, has been blown my mind in, well, at least be in the is that I have probably 
played more games with Thomas, more board games and stuff than I have with some of my, you know, best friends like throughout my life. And uh, that says a lot about how much time I spent with him. And uh, then obviously he can. Then obviously we we can easily talk about doing all kinds of uh, things and challenges together. Yeah, I had another another one a girl on our team who's uh, one of our key. So she said to me, I think it's only. A couple weeks ago, said to me, "I don't really think of you as a leader. <laughs> you know, it's like I don't really think of you as a leader in that sense. I, I, you know, we're friends, but but that doesn't mean she doesn't respect me and listen to me because she really does a lot. And and there's like a, I don't know, almost 15 years of age difference. But it's that feeling that I'm not her leader. I am her friend first. And I think that is. I think it's something that you were saying it too. Mm. Sorry, I forgot your name." In the, in the, you were saying too it's kind of something we've lost in our uh, culture a little bit and we are quite reserved and we have you know so for us to have our house being uh, you know invaded by our leaders again again you know our leaders now I think they would say that they know their way around our fridge and our <laughs> dishwasher and you know those things and, and that's really been on my heart for a long time and I just realized oh, that's what we need that's what we're missing and it's so good and even maybe sometimes we would think, you know, would they would they even want to spend time with me, you know? But if they don't, they're not the right people. Those you connect with relationally are the ones you can you can disciple. You can't disciple them otherwise. So it's just like who connects with you. Does it make make sense? It makes sense. So so if I understand you correctly, more or less, you take care of your own relationship and growth. Um, and, and being mentored, and then you invite people into your life to catch it rather than to teach it. Sure, absolutely. And if you think of it, it's so. I mean, the disciples were with Jesus twenty four seven, and maybe we don't. We maybe don't have to have that, you know. But we definitely need to have that sense of. I mean, you know what you know what it feels like when someone is, is like family. You see them so much. You spend so much time during the week that you are family. And, and you know each other so well, you don't have to be polite, you don't have to, all that. You you know each other. And that's the relationship you need to have with someone you're discipling. You can't have a kind of a, you know, if you're going into polite mode, you, you probably are not close enough. That's that's how I kind of view it. Does it make sense? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, one, one, last, one last question, two? I have to. Sure, go ahead. This uh, this model or this way of doing it also requires a place some either age difference sure. or maturity difference. Yeah, I would say if that. If you're in a group where you're like yeah. almost equal, yeah. it would be much more difficult because who are you to... Yeah. Yeah. So I would say normally the best age difference, that, that, I mean it could be any, but, but normally it works really well if it's like 10-15 years. Mm -hmm. But I've seen people that are five years older where it works perfectly, like Andy, my friend, he's quite young, but he's such a... He's such a strong leader that people, you know, they, they kind of follow him even if they're. Uh, but it, but um, but and some people could be maybe you find someone who who will decide for you, you know, who's who's sixty. It doesn't really matter, okay. But I think it's true that there needs to be a difference, at least in a sense that people respect you as a leader and they would, would want to learn from you and listen to you. There's that thing, you know, uh, and and. Uh, and you might not always, you know, I, I'll tell you what, with me and Fleming, I didn't, I didn't hang around his house all the time. So he had a different style of doing it. Uh, so it, it depended more on me. But I think today, as a leader, we, we need to be more proactive and invite people in a lot more. I see that with, uh, with young adults today. They, they want to be invited in. So, great. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. Can I just pray for you, just quickly, that uh, God would um, meet you in your calling, whatever He's calling you to, that He would He would lead you along the way. So, Lord, we just pray um, for everything that we've talked about today. We just pray that I pray for each and every one here. I just see so many of you here, where the calling of God is on you, and the Spirit is on you. I just see it so clearly. I know that He has prepared amazing things for you. And some of it he has revealed already, and some of it he has not. But I just pray now that you would not stumble on things in your, you know, like, I can't do it, or disappointments even, even if leaders treat you not the way you hope, so that you would not stumble on that, but that you would hold on to what God is calling you to. And I pray now, Lord, that you would send men and women to disciple and lead 
that my friends here can follow after. And for those who are later in their leadership, I pray that you would show them who to invest in. That you would just give them names, faces for them to invest in. And we just pray, Lord, that we would see so much more in our movement here in, in the vineyard that people will, will walk alongside each other and become friends and will raise up leaders for the next generation. We long for leaders who are able to build your church and do it for you in so many ways, Lord. So just bless as we go on with our days and go on with this day. Amen. Thanks for coming, guys. You have been listening to the Vineyard Nordic Podcast. For more information, please visit the Vineyard Nordic's website, vineyardnordic.org.